Welcome to the Bible Preaching and Teaching Ministry of Dr. Douglas D. Stauffer. Dr. Stauffer currently serves as President of Key of Knowledge Ministries. He has thousands of hours teaching experience, 10 years serving in pastoral ministries, and has authored several books. One of Dr. Stauffer's most recent projects included his participation as consulting editor for Oxford University Press. He has also been the featured speaker on national and international radio broadcasts dozens of times. If you are interested in these or similar materials, you can contact us at www.mccowanmills.com. I want to preach on judging. Title my message is to judge or not to judge. Matthew chapter 7, a very familiar verse if you've witnessed anybody. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, Judge not that you be not judged. I don't know if there's a lost person in the world, or at least in the United States, that doesn't know that verse and try to quote it to you. And they say, what are you doing? Are you judging me? You're not supposed to judge. The Bible says... And then they'll quote to you, judge not that you be not judged. And that used to throw me for a while until I started studying up on it because I had to uh, have an answer for him. I mean, are we supposed to judge or, or aren't we supposed to judge? Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 says, judge not that you be not judged. Verse 2 says, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Chapter 7 of Matthew does not tell you not to judge. The context actually is teaching you how to judge correctly or judge righteously. Judge not that you be not judged, it says. But it says the judgment that you judge, that's how you'll be judged. There are two ways to judge, righteously and unrighteously. If you judge and I judge righteously, we will in turn be judged righteously. If we judge people unrighteously... We'll reap what we sow, or in other words, we'll be judged unrighteously. So the context of that verse does not tell you that you should never judge. It actually instructs you how to judge correctly. Then it says in verse 5, Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So it doesn't say that you can't help your brother and cast out the moat. It just says, get the beam out of your own eye first. So what it's telling you is, you don't go to somebody and judge them and look at their life and judge them when you know that you're a hypocrite for doing it. If you're doing the same thing, you better not be looking at somebody else and judging them for that particular thing. But nowhere in the Bible does it tell you that you can never judge. It just says you're going to reap what you sow. With what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. Look at John chapter 7. Each one of the sections that talk about judging, basically it's rebuking the hypocrites. 
Because most times when people in this world judge, they judge hypocritically. I see it all the time. Inevitably, somebody will tell you about doing something and they're doing the same thing. That's what the Bible warns you about not doing. In John chapter 7, verse 24, the Bible says, Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. So then again, it tells you. Anybody that tries to take me to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, I always take them to John 7, 24 just to start. I say it tells me to judge righteous judgment. You know, you're talking to somebody about salvation. You say, well, if you're not saved, you're going to hell. And they say, well, you're judging me. I say, well, no, I'm not. Have you ever accepted Jesus Christ, your Savior? No, I haven't. I say, well, you're going to hell. You know, I'm not always that blunt. I would tell them, look, the Bible says that you've got to be saved. Are you saved? And they'll tell me no. And I'll say, well, the Bible says you're going to hell. Well, you're judging me. Or in some sin or some area of their life that the Bible speaks on, I'll try to show them what the Bible says. And inevitably, they'll say, hey, judge not that you be not judged. Well, I don't mind being judged righteously. As long as I am judging righteously, I'll be judged righteously. I don't mind that. But when you reap what you sow for judging unrighteously, I don't want to be in the hypocritical crowd. I don't look at people and judge the things that they're doing if I know I've got the same problems in my life. You've got to be very careful about that. Many times the loudest one you hear is the one that's got the same problem. So they've got that problem in their life and, and they don't like seeing it being reflected back to them. They don't like that. But John chapter 7 makes it very clear the Bible does not command you not to judge. It just says that you are, and I are to judge righteous judgment. Now, it's our job to determine what that is. Look at Romans chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 1, but actually, because the first word is therefore, I really need to go back to chapter 1 to see what the therefore is therefore. So you go back to chapter 1. And you read through and God talks about some things in verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. I have to be real careful about this, that have pleasure in them that do them. Some people say, well, television isn't mentioned in the Bible. I'm not so sure that it isn't. I'm not so sure this verse right here doesn't mention television. Indirectly, it says all of these things. Then it says, we know the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. I remember, you know, everybody wanted to kill J.R. And you know, people don't understand, but what this does when you watch those shows, they are there to create these emotions within you. They show these things in order to get you emotionally involved in the show to where when that person comes out there and he's done or she's done a lot of bad things and finally they get their due, you know what you do inside? You go, yeah, they got them. They finally got what was coming to them. And you see, that's what the shows are all about. It's to get that vengeful attitude or emotion 
started within you. It's to add to it. It's to create it in you if it's not already there. And if it is there, it's to add to it and to cultivate it, nurture it, and to make it so that it's worse than what it was. That's what these shows are about. But the Bible makes it very clear that we're not to have pleasure in those that do those things. I believe that speaks directly of television. Then you look at chapter 2, verse 1. The first word is therefore. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same thing. Remember, that's the same thing when you look back there at Matthew chapter 7. If you judge hypocritically, if you're doing what you're judging other people for doing, the Bible says you're going to have the same judgment come upon you. An unrighteous judgment. Said thou hypocrite. Here it says it again. You're a hypocrite if what you're condemning others for, you yourself are doing. That's where you get into trouble with judgment. But if you're not doing them, you are supposed to judge all things. But you're not supposed to look at somebody that smokes cigarettes and condemn them and then go chew your wad. And start walking around, you know, with a big old chew under your lip. And then you go up and judge somebody for smoking. You can't do that. Look at verse 2. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judges them which do such things and doest the same? that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. It's always in the context of somebody being hypocritical in their judgment. Every time you read about somebody being warned about judging, you can't just take the first verse, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, and put a period there. You've got to go the whole way through. The people that he's speaking to are those that are judging and doing the same thing. Verse 4, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. Well, the Bible says there that you are supposed to judge, but you're supposed to judge righteously. Do not judge hypocritically. Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Look at Acts chapter 23 for an example of somebody that judged unrighteously. Ananias. He's a good example of somebody that judged unrighteously, and Paul rebukes him for it. Verse 1, Paul, earnestly beholding the counsel, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God unto this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him in the mouth. Then said Paul unto him, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall. For sittest thou to judge me after the law, and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law? You see, he was judging Paul for breaking the law, and yet in that he broke the law himself when he commanded that Paul was to be smitten on the face. And you'll see that Ananias reaped what he sowed. Look at Luke chapter 7. Those that claim that people should never judge are very ignorant of what the Bible says. Jesus asks a question and he says about a certain creditor that had two debtors and two different amounts were owed. Jesus asked in verse 42, tell me therefore which of them will love him most? Which one of the two that had their amounts 
forgiven. Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most, and he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. Can you imagine if you're not supposed to judge anything like the world tells you, you know, you're not supposed to judge anything. Herod asked Jesus, what is truth? And that's pretty much the condition that we're in the world right now. What is truth? You see, if you're a Christian, you hold up this Bible and you say there's black and white, there's right and wrong, there are definites. You can go to this Bible and you can know what you're supposed to do. But what the world is trying to do, what Satan is trying to get the world to convince all, is that you can't have any absolutes. Everything is gray. The reason that abortion is not outlawed is because nobody can determine, supposedly, when life begins. I think it's a very easy answer. The only thing when somebody says, well, when does life begin? I say it doesn't begin. You take two live things and they come together. Two live things? Wait, when does life begin? It's not conception. It's before that. Abortion's a very easy answer. According to the Bible, it's wrong. Two live things come together. you got one live conception that produces a baby. I mean, abortion's wrong. There is no point in time when life begins. You go to the world and you look at some of these issues, and they really aren't as complicated as the world wants to make them. Evolution, what's it all about? Well, evolution is, if evolution is true, and it's contrary to creationism, which it is, then creationism is false. If God didn't create the world, then you don't have to answer to God. But if God did create the world, then evolution is false, and all these scientists doing all these experiments, and all these people in the world got somebody they're going to have to answer to. What's the problem? They don't want an absolute. They don't want you to tell them that there is something that is true and you can stand behind it. We got a bunch of people just like Herod. What is true? What is true? You can hold this Bible up right here and you can say this is true. The reason we don't have the freedoms that we had uh, many years ago in this country is because we have gone away from the Word of God, the King James Bible. We have so many versions out there now. There's so much confusion. I sat in a service not long ago. I don't even remember where it was, but I remember whoever was speaking, they got up from another Bible. I had my King James Bible there, and they read out of the other Bible. That is the most confusing thing. It's hard enough to read something when somebody else has the same thing written, and they're reading it, and you're trying to read it. It's confusing sometimes that way, especially if it's a legal document. But if you've got two Bibles and somebody gets up with one version and you've got 20 other versions out there in the pews, do you know who's won the biggest battle that he could conquer people in? Satan. It's the most confusing thing. Well, the reason that you have that issue is because the seminaries, they don't want to answer to God either. They want the Greek and the Hebrew professors to be the final authority. They want the one with the most knowledge to stand in the pulpit and say, let me tell you what God wants you to do. Let me be the final authority. Let me show... Now, they don't say it that way. What they do is they get up and they read the Bible and they say something and they say, but let me tell you what a better reading or a better interpretation or a better Greek translation would be. And it's this way. And what they've done then is they've made themselves the authority so that you have to look to them and say, 
Well, let me see. I wonder if my Bible really means what it says here. Or maybe it was mistranslated and I need to go to that professor and find out how it should have been translated so I can find out what God wants me to do. Final authority stops with the Greek and the Hebrew professors in that case. They don't want you to judge that. But the Bible tells me very clearly, God's promised us His Word. I'll judge them according to the Word of God and say that they are liars if they change this Bible right here. Look at Luke, Luke 12, verse 54, and he said also to the people, When ye see a cloud rise out of the west, straightway ye say, There cometh a shower, and so it is. And when ye see the south wind blow, ye say, There will be heat that cometh to pass. Ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it? that ye do not discern this time. Yea, and why even of yourselves judge ye not what is right? That's a rebuke to us as a nation. We shouldn't have an abortion debate. We shouldn't have a debate on the Word of God. There should be no debate. It ought to be the King James Bible has uh, done more for this country and the world than any other five million books put together. There's nothing that's had the impact on this country and the world than the King James Bible. We ought to be able to judge for ourselves what is right. We're bringing up a generation today in the public school systems where they can't tell you what is right and what is wrong. They're put in things called situational ethics. Thank goodness most of the school systems around here, they don't subscribe to that theory. But up north, you have it a lot. They put the kids into a situation where they have to judge two things. One of two people have to die in a situation. And they have to choose who the person's going to be. Is it going to be your grandmother dying or your mother dying? And they put them into these situations so that there is no clear-cut right and wrong. It's left up to the individual. And I've read up a lot on it in the past. And let me tell you something. It's the devil trying to make it so that children don't learn how to think. They don't learn how to reason. They don't learn how to respond to what is right and what is wrong. But everything's sort of gray and nebulous. That's not the way God has meant it to be. Look at John chapter 8. Most Christians get themselves in trouble by not following Scripture when they judge something. Jesus rebukes those that judge after the flesh. In John chapter 8 verse 15. The Bible says, ye judge after the flesh. I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am the Father that sent me. You see, Jesus didn't come to judge the world. He will judge it, but He didn't come the first time to judge it. But He rebukes them not for judging, period, but He rebukes them for judging after the flesh. Any time a person judges hypocritically, they're judging after the flesh. That's where the warning comes every time. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. A person's judgment has got to be spiritual, not after the flesh. A person should allow the Word of God to judge. We're told that a spiritual person will judge all things. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.15. The Bible says, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. If anybody comes up to you and tries to throw that verse that I started out with 
in your face and they say, judge not that you be not judged. There's enough scripture in there to show you that that's not according to the word of God as they take it out of context. You tell them, look, I am supposed to judge all things. I am not supposed to judge according to the flesh. I am not supposed to judge unrighteously, which includes I am not supposed to judge hypocritically. But if you go to somebody and you tell them the Bible says you have to be saved and they quote that verse to you, don't even let it phase you. Or take them to Matthew chapter 7 and show them that in context, it's a person judging hypocritically. Everywhere in this Bible, you're told to judge. You're told to judge. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul was speaking to the Corinthian church, the most carnal church spoken about in the Bible. And there's a man that has his father's wife. In verse 3, Paul says, For I verily as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, and my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver uh, such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Paul said he had judged already. He judged this man righteously. The man was living in open sin, and the church knew about it. And there were supposed to be some actions taken. They were supposed to turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. A lot like what a lot of the South calls being churched. I mean, he's turned over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Whenever somebody is in open sin and the church knows about it, the church is supposed to act upon it as a body of believers. Paul was rebuking the Corinthian church because they were bringing a lot of problems on themselves by allowing this man to destroy the testimony of the church and allowing this man to do this openly encourages others to live in the same manner. He's getting away with his sin. I can get away with mine. It's not supposed to be that way. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Even within the church, the church body is to make some judgments. Verse 11. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such an one, no, not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within, but them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. That would shock a lot of churches that you're supposed to take action like that. We see it down at the mission all the time. I had a man that was down there, and he was a con man. I went down there and was involved in the situation. I told him, I said, look, I said, you need to take the keys away from this guy. You need to do certain actions. You don't need him in a position of authority. The guy down there didn't know any better, I guess. He let him have business cards. The guy went out in the community, showed the business card, and just charged up a bunch of stuff to the mission. When I finally got on his tail real good and I was just close to getting him caught, he just went to the travel agency and got him a $1,090 ticket, charged it to the mission, and scooted away. He was a con man. And then I was told, well, don't you think we ought to love him? I said, yeah, love him. And if he comes back, put him in jail. I said, 
You don't understand. <laughs> See, I've been gone from the mission. February, March, April, and May, I was gone out of the mission. We had $90,000 in the bank. We have nothing in the bank today. As a matter of fact, we cannot pay our bills. So I went back to the mission last month and back to a board meeting. There were a lot of things going on when I left. And I felt like the Lord would just get me uninvolved for a while. But I got back there and they got a new guy in and he's, he's bad news. He's not a vile believer and he gets up there and he's got no spiritual discernment at all. And him and I go at it a little bit about how to deal with people. They had the truck stolen. They had the van stolen. They had the truck wrecked. They had all these things going on. And I told him, I said, kick these people out. If they break the law, they've got to go. Well, he thinks in the name of love, you don't do that. I said, if you don't, what you're doing is encouraging more of that behavior. That's why you've got the problems that you've got down here. We didn't have them before. I said, we didn't have them for the last four years. I said, we had some things happen before that, but we haven't had them for quite a while. Anyway, he didn't, he didn't listen. He still got the guy that stole the truck there. And the guy that stole the van, they let him come back in and he stole a microwave and somebody's watch and broke into an office and stole some money. And they finally caught the guy and he's in jail only because the police threw him in jail for some other warrants. But, you know, you're dealing with some people down there a little different from church people, but still the same concept and it's a lot different. But the same concept goes when you don't act upon things, you encourage that type of behavior. If you've got people in the church in open sin, if you have two people committing adultery and it comes to the attention of the church, it ought to be dealt with spiritually quickly because otherwise what happens, it could destroy the whole church. Preaching hard on sin and find out that the church stays right. Church keeps on track. People get involved and do what God wants them to do because a spiritual group of people will get the work of God done. Ones that are living after the flesh, they're going to sit on the pew and they're going to do nothing. They're not going to get involved. And the work of God's not going to get done. I don't believe God sends a replacement in. I believe God calls somebody to do something, and if they don't do it, then it's not going to get done. Or it's not going to get done right. Or it's not going to get done effectively and efficiently. It's not going to get done the way God wants it done. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, look there. Paul even says you're supposed to judge what he said. 1 Corinthians 10.15 He says, I speak as the wise men. Judge ye what I say. Judge ye what I say. Every time a preacher preaches, you ought to judge what he says. Most churches can't do that though. Every time I, I tell you to turn to a passage, you know what I hear? I hear the pages rustling. When I first started preaching at the mission 11 years ago, I told those guys, I said, check me out in the Bible. Get your Bible out and look it up. If you don't look it up, don't you come to me and question what I'm saying. But if you look it up and you check it out and you find out I'm wrong according to the Word of God, you come to me and you talk to me. We'll sit down. I might find out you're right, I'm wrong, and I'll change. I said, but if you don't look it up, don't come to me. Don't come to me and try to correct me if you don't have an authority like this to correct me with. But I encouraged them. I said, get your Bibles out. Every preacher that comes into the mission, I said, you check them out. You find out what that Bible says. You make sure that they're preaching and teaching and that it's in context. A lot of times we just have to read one verse. 
I just read one verse there. If you don't think it's right, you jot it down. You read the first five verses before and after, and you'll have the context of what's being said. Sometimes because of time, we can't do that in a church service, but you can do it on your own. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're also supposed to judge ourselves. Look at verse 31. During the Lord's Supper, this is speaking in particular about that. But in verse 31, it says, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. If we would spend more time judging ourselves, we would be less judged by God and by the world. You get up and you look in the mirror and you see the most righteous man, the most spiritual woman, and you don't judge yourself right. You don't judge yourselves according to the Word of God. And I don't judge myself right. And we need to do that. We need to look at ourselves critically. You know, the world will tell you, hey, don't do that, you'll go insane. I say, no way. The only way you can change is if you know what you got wrong. If you know where you are, you can change it. If you don't know where you stand in your life and in your walk with God, how in the world can you go into the Word of God and allow it to effectually work on you? When you look at your life, look at yourself and say, God, where do I need to change? What do I need to work on next? Some of you that are single, I can tell you this. A great way to change is to get married. If you marry the right one. You marry the right one and she, she roughs out the edges a little bit. God uses her to do that. God will use her to say some things to you that maybe you won't like when you first hear them sometimes. But after a while, you listen and you say, she got a point. I listen to people and sometimes they think, well, you don't listen to them because you respond back. Somebody will say something, you say, oh, no. But listen, what you do is you just take it in. You can respond and disagree with them. But then you go home and you say, I wonder how much truth was in that statement. I didn't like what I heard, but I wonder if there is something in there that I can use to analyze myself according to the Scripture and make something to change within me. And maybe God can use it to make me a better Christian. It's a hard thing to do. It is certainly an abnormal thing. To do. We have a rosy outlook on ourselves. I used to hear people say, well, things that bother you most in other people are the things that you've got problems with in yourself. When I heard that, I don't know how many years ago, I started looking at it and saying, wow, that person bothers me. And I realized that that was true. The reason that something bothered me was because I was seeing myself in them and I didn't like it. I didn't like what I saw. Then I started realizing that when something bothers me, why don't I look at myself or let God change me to make me better off? We're supposed to judge ourselves. Look at John chapter 12. If we'd spend more time judging ourselves, we might, might be judged less by the Word of God. Look at verse 47. Jesus said, And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. We're warned that we will be judged. There are two main judgments coming after death or after the rapture, whichever comes first for each of us. It's the great white throne judgment spoken of in the book of Revelation. Those that are lost will be judged at the great white throne judgment. The Bible says the books will be open and they'll be judged out of those things which were in the book. And I believe that's their life. That's their, that's their work. It says their work in those books. 
And then the other book will be opened, and that's the book of life. And if their name is not written in the book of life, they'll be cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. The Bible says nobody has to go there. Because the Bible also says God is not willing that any should perish. God didn't want anybody to go to hell, and He sent His Son to die on the cross so that we could be saved from hell, saved from the penalty of our sin, saved from an eternal punishment, if only we would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the great white throne judgment. There's another judgment. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. Every Christian will go to the judgment seat of Christ. And there's some scary verses on that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says that we will receive the things done in this body, whether it be good or bad. Next verse says, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We're going to receive the things done in our body, whether it be good or bad. When I preach that up at the farm, I'll always leave it open-ended. I'll get somebody in there that's maybe a smart mouth, and he says, well, I'm saved, but I, you know, I don't feel bad for my sin. I don't... I just feel numb. I had one tell me that. So I preached on the judgment seat of Christ. And I just left everything open. And I said, you'll receive the things done in your body, whether they be good or bad. You think about what that can mean. I have to sort of leave it open-ended because I don't know what that means. You'll receive the things done in your body, whether it be good or bad. We will all be judged. We're going to be judged according to this verse. There's one that judges him. The word that I have spoken The Word that we have right here, that's what's going to judge us. It's not going to judge you and say, well, you were supposed to live a perfect life after you got saved. That's not the judgment that God is going to bring upon you. God is not going to expect more out of you than what He's going to provide that you can do. But the problem is, He provides a lot more than what we do. He provides us with abilities that we don't use. He provides us with a lot of things that, hey, we waste. Finally, there's some scriptural guidelines on judging righteously, and I'll close with this. Jesus didn't judge anyone when He was on this earth. He said His judgment's going to come later. Never judge after the flesh. Never judge according to the appearance. I wrote down here, I said, always judge the action, if you know your Bible. To avoid judgment, judge yourself. I think judging is very important. The more I see the world try to shift us away from it, I know that it's very important to God that we judge according to what God tells us to do. We're not to judge hypocritically. We are supposed to judge all things, hold fast that which is true. need to judge according to the Word of God. If you are interested in these or similar materials, you can contact us at www.mccowanmills.com. That is M-C-C-O-W-E-N. M-I-L-L-S dot com or through the mail at P.O. Box 1611, Millbrook, Alabama 36054 or by calling 334-285-6650. Orders can be placed online or by calling toll free at 1-866-344-1611.